London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon uh, on a Thursday, an opening day Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial as we get back here to local programming on the radio. Trent Condon, Ken Miller till noon. Thanks for spending some of your morning here with us. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. We're going to start with our friend Senator Nate Bolton, who was behind the name, image, and likeness bill uh, that is stalled and made be dead uh, in the legislature. We will uh, have Nate Bolton to get his thoughts on that. Some of the Supreme Court stuff that uh, came out yesterday as the NCAA was in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, They were making their case for amateurism. Uh, Some of the Supreme Court justices quoted all over Twitter yesterday. I'm kind of unsure what that means. But I do know that after Nate Bolton leaves, we're going to get into the NFL draft with our friend Matt Manassarian. The 700? I want to get the next... Uh, it's not 700. They took they uh, slacked off a little. 696 pages of the Football Rookie Handbook Sports Info Solutions. I have it in front of me. Comprehensive Scouting and Analytics, I'll say. 696 pages. How many did you get through? Did you just kind of go to your team, uh-huh. see the Bears, some of the Hawks, some of the local guys, clones, etc.? That was basically yeah, it. Yeah, me too. And one of the uh, interesting parts of it, though, at the beginning... They go through, they scout every game, both collegiately and professionally. I was looking at the Bears and just number of times they're in 12 personnel, number of times they're in 10. Just all these different figures and facts and what their quad win should be and what they actually finish. It's just, it's numbers that a lot of times do go over my head. I like numbers, but it's a little much at times, but but it's good to have it in front. And and the scouting reports on each and every player from... Of course, the Trevor Lawrences of the world all the way through to the Nick Neemans of the world. Mm-hmm. You can find it inside there. They do a really good job of it. No, they really do. So we'll talk about the locals, as we said. We ran out of time last week when Manasarian was with us, but he's promised to, uh, you know, whenever we need him, right up until the draft, and we will need him again. 11 o'clock. Cappy missed yesterday. He won't today. Uh, and it's actually going to work out better, I think, just the fact that it's opening day. And we'll get Cappy in here on the White Sox, on the Cubs, do a little something on the Bears as well, but We'll pick his brain on the Cubs and the White Sox and look forward to Cappy Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. Rob Doster uh, from the field of 68 on college basketball. We'll get back into the Final Four. Uh, and then the, um, I mean, obviously the big news that's uh, broken in the last half hour, Roy Williams, mm-hmm. after 33 years of coaching basketball. College basketball is going to walk away. Didn't get a title at Kansas. Won, how many, three at North Carolina? Two, three? Three, two, I think two. Okay, two or three uh, at North Carolina, and was um, as important in the Michael Jordan recruitment as uh, anybody on Dean Smith's staff back then. So um, we'll do it. I'm sure we'll get into Roy Williams with Doster at some point, and also the final form. What we've seen, what we saw, was not what the country saw on Monday and Tuesday. Trent, television numbers in the crapper just crushed on Monday and Tuesday, which tells me um, the change is difficult, <laughs> that it's not welcome in a lot of households, and that the 
change that I hoped uh, would go forward, and that being that the Elite Eight would be continued to play on Monday and Tuesday. It's going back because the numbers are just, I mean, Trent, it's not like they were just down a little bit. Mm-hmm. They were down a ton. Do you remember percentage-wise? Uh, double digits. Oh, yeah. I mean, significant. Maybe as much as, I don't know, 30, because, 40? Okay, it, it was that Huge. Big. Basically, I was reading a, a TV executive in, I don't know if it was a Richard Deitch column, but it was a sports media column. They said if it was better than 20% lower that yeah. they'd be in good shape if it's not that number. They anticipated it was going to go down. And why is it going down? Well, it's on Monday and Tuesday as right. opposed to on the weekend, and that's a big reason for it. And the Tuesday games were on cable. Yes. Right. As opposed to CBS. The other part of it, the numbers that we saw, yo, boy, those Sweet 16 games yeah. were yeah. pretty good. Yeah. You know why? They are on the weekend. Yeah. And they also had their own exclusive window. Mm-hmm. We're not talking apples and oranges here. We are talking completely different realms as it comes to TV. Read nothing into this. We saw huge dips in everything. But as a whole, March Madness has done very well. The NCAA tournament has done very well. The Elite Eight did not, but again, the change of days, I think, are the biggest part of that. In comparison to what we saw over the last calendar year in the other sports, I think college basketball did pretty well overall. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm with you. Um, I'm trying to find them here, so I get, I've, I've got them in front of me. I should have done that before, uh, but I didn't. Um, the, here we go. 45% drop. 45%. Mm-hmm. Overall tourney's now down 12. That's per Sports Business Journal's Austin Carp. The Elite Eight audience down 45%. But they're okay with that. Again, that 20% number overall for March Madness is also what they were hoping for. Yeah, and they're still at 12. So at 12. They... That, that's considered a win in today's TV environment. Yep. This is considered a win. Yep, it is. Well, so we're going to have some winning today, and that's on the baseball field. It is opening day. I forgot to say this at the very end of our show. Trent and I always go on record, whether it's the NFL well, college, the mm-hmm. Big Ten and the Big 12, uh, and Major League Baseball. We'll pick the divisions. We'll let you know who we think is going to win the wild card. And then we'll come up with our World Series matchup and who we think is going to win the World Series. I have a feeling you and I will agree on the National League East. Mm-hmm. The We won on the Central because I'm on the Brewers. Uh, obviously, we will on the West. So we'll agree two of the three divisions in the National League. The American League... I think we'll agree on the East. I'm convinced we'll agree on the Central. So I'll go with the over-under agreement of the six. I'll go four. Four that will have the that same. will have the same. I don't think we'll get the World Series, right? I'm going off the board. You are. I'm You're going off the board. Going a little crazy this year. Which means... You had the World Series winner last year. I'm looking at our I did. our 2020 predictions. You had the Dodgers beating okay. the White Sox, but yeah. you had the Dodgers. Right. I had the Dodgers in the World Series losing to the Twins. I must have really been wearing my Twins underwear that day. <laughs> twins, not only winning a playoff game, but winning the World Series. Trent, stay tuned for 11.45. That's oh, all I'll say. Okay. Uh, so uh, opening day, excited for it to be here. The Cubs apparently are w- more than willing to, uh, th- they would love to meet with Anthony Rizzo. Their door is open. Well, what about you getting up here off your ass and going into the clubhouse and you taking the initiative? Um, After the slap in the face that they yeah. gave him, that five-year, $70 million contract extension offer, mm-hmm. in today's baseball environment, it's and a Trent, slap that's in the a face. lot of money, and I get that the people yeah. out there that are driving thinking, "Good God, yeah. I get that part," but it's it's more than that. Mm-hmm. And until you, I think, grasp that, I mean, Paul Goldschmidt's a nice player. Who would you rather have, 
Buckolch, man. He's, he's by an inch, though, right? I mean, it's closer than you think. He outpaces him by a step. Okay. I, I don't disagree with you. But does he outpace him by $60 million? No, not at all. <laughs> right? Not at all. That's how these players, they, mm-hmm. they you know, the, that's how they measure themselves, by their contract. And, and you said it yesterday, or maybe the day before, but Rizzo means so much to that organization. Absolutely. He is the face. Uh-huh. He is the person that is easy to root for. Mm-hmm. He is the guy that you flip on marquee even... This year when they're eight games Oh, by below. the way, uh-huh. I'm glad you mentioned oh, geez, the marquee right? trend comment. I know exactly where you're going. I am going to take a freaking victory lap. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> so last year, I had a little problem. A, a little problem? I had a major problem. And I every chance I got and every new, new person we would have on, I would at some point in our conversation bring up the fact that I thought it was utterly ridiculous that the... Brass at the Marquee Network was forcing, forcing their broadcasters to wear a shirt, tie, and a sports coat to the ballpark of all places. You're not, this is, you're not, this is, you're not in Parliament, right? You don't, you're going to the ballpark. And there was Len and JD in their Sunday best every single day. And I thought it was ridiculous what they were doing with them. Marquee Network, Trent, has come to their senses. I don't know what was behind it, who was behind it, but no longer do the broadcasters have to wear a tie. They can wear a polo shirt now. Wear a polo shirt, as they should have been able to do, and as all the other 29 teams allow their broadcasters to do. You're at the ballpark, for crying out loud. You're not in church. Right. Uh, John Greenberg is where I saw it at The Athletic, one of the Cubs writers over there. Yeah, He also does the Chicago sports scene, the dollars and cents, which is kind of the sports media column Oh, I've for read Chicago. that stuff. Cappy makes that, uh, yes. uh, that column quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, that's where he talked about it. So this has been, he has been like you. This has been something that bothered him also. Yeah. But he also has the means where he's been able to bring it up multiple times to the Brass at the Marquee Network, the Cubs organization as a whole. <laughs> and in the article that talked about it either last week or earlier this week, uh, said he was talking to somebody at Marquee, and they said, yes, you finally got your way. They don't have to wear it anymore. So he's awesome. been much like you. It bothers- I don't know why it bothers you so much, yeah, though. It's a shirt and tie. You're at the ballpark. Be well, comfortable. I worked at a grocery store in high school. I had to wear a shirt different. and tie. Yeah, that's different. Is it? Well, I don't I'm carrying groceries you. out. I'm with you. I don't think you should have to now. I mean, the poor guys at Fairway, they give you that clip-on tie. <laughs> right, right. Right. At least I'm guessing they don't make you pay for it. But the guys behind the meat counter, they have great meat. Um, and we're not paid to say that. But they make you wear the clip-on tie. Uh, it's, it's just the right thing to do. And I'm glad that they finally came to the... I wonder if it's Book Shambi. Yeah, I'll do your games. But I'll tell you this right now. <laughs> I'm not wearing a tie. Book's a big guy, baby. Yeah, he doesn't right. like that around his neck. And they needed a big name to replace Len Casper, who's mm-hmm. now doing radio and won't be wearing a tie when he does the White Sox games. Um, Do you think this uh, Boob, Boog Shambi initially is going to be a storyline where you've grown so uh, accustomed to what they have been? Or is he a big enough name yes. where the average... Yes. Or just Think how many people are just baseball fans. And there's still a lot of people uh-huh. now that's an older demographic. Mm-hmm. But baseball is by far their favorite. Mm-hmm. Well, you flip it on and it's not the guys that yeah. you have. And you get used to those voices, you right? Do. Those, but I think more so on radio in the old days, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's the same way for me in, in yeah. television. It, you know, just that background noise. Uh-huh. Dick Bremer is uh-huh. 
is the voice that's always in our house right. during the summertime. And that's why I want continuity as the color guy. Right. You know, I like Bert and Dick Bremer. I like those two. You get accustomed to those two. I see what you mean. I think that's fair. And that's probably one of the reasons why it's not the... Uh, I, I just have trouble wrapping my arms, of all, for whatever reason, uh, around the Cardinals' television broadcast. I don't know if it's Dan McLaughlin. Um, I, I mean, I like Jim Edmonds. I think that, that does a nice job. But uh, anyways, uh, so we will um, take a quick couple of calls right now. Jeff has been in here first. Paul, you hang in there. Paul, will come to you second. Jeff's been on hold the longest. Again, Nate Bolton coming up on name, image, and likeness. NFL draft. Boy, we're all over the place. Off to Chicago for Cappy and then the NCAA. Uh, Jeff is up first. Jeff, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. Hey, guys. Uh, first, I just want to pivot with the Anthony Rizzo deal. Um, you know, if you guys know, he took a deal when he first came there for $44 million for seven years. And you know, to really, it's not about the money. You know, he's the captain. He's the guy. He's the where, face. You know, his number. His number is probably going to be retired, and he does so much for the franchise. I'm sure Cappy would. He could speak on the stuff that he does for cancer kids. Yep. He brings yep. kids in, and all these things. And and you guys can't make make this deal right before this. I mean, it's just another feather in the cap that the Cubs organization is just. It's it's a wrong thing to do. But mm-hmm. that's not the reason why I was. I just wanted to chime in on that. Uh, the Roy Williams thing. Three titles, not two. He's won three. Thought he'd won all three. Yep. It is three. Yep. All three. Um, with North Carolina, he couldn't win anything with Kansas. But the biggest thing I want to say with Roy, he was probably the best recruiter out of Iowa. You know, Collison, yeah. Heinrich, yeah. Uh, Marcus Page, yep. Harrison Barnes. Yep. Um, so it's probably good for Iowa coaches, the university <laughs> right. retiring. Um, but what a great guy. You know, when I worked at Prairie Meadows, he came in and played. So when did you work at Prairie Meadows, Jeff? So I worked at Prime Meadows for ten years. When? Where you? Uh, when? Uh, so it was two thousand seven to two thousand. Right. Yeah. So you were so, you were there after I was there. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I left. I, mean, I didn't I'm leave. Still... I was told to leave in two thousand three. But he was so gracious. You know, he would let the dealers wear his championship ring. He would talk to. Oh, him. nice. Um, real super nice guy. Played you know low low limit crap. Um, but you know, like I said, just a great class act. Too bad he's retiring. Uh, it was good for the sport, and uh, yeah. So that was the story I had with uh, with Coach uh, Williams. So Appreciate the call, Jeff. Day. Yep, thank you. Enjoy opening day. Paul is up next. Paul, welcome to the program. How are you? Yeah, hey guys, I've got some really important information. Uh, Breaking news. Ties. <laughs> yes, fairway tie. Yes, information. Yes, uh, the the employees have to buy the tie. Oh, they have I to can buy them. That because my son. My son did work there. Yeah, I'll give him credit. They give fifteen-year-olds a chance, but boy, do those <laughs> folks take themselves seriously! <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, so they have to buy the ties, and they are clip-ons, right? Uh, you can make the choice. We went okay. with the clip-on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but just in general, I, I get your point about you know this isn't the sixties, right? Back then, yeah, it was kind of expected. Don't have any tattoos. Don't have a beard. Mm-hmm. That stuff has been out for decades. I. I don't get it. I don't get people having to go to a ballpark and wearing a suit and tie. I'm with you, Paul. I don't know how old you are, but do you remember when you when everybody on planes would get dressed up in their Sunday best to go on an airplane? It's not too many years ago. You know, sixties uh, and yeah. it's, it's it's the way it was back in the sixties. Paul, thank you for the update. I appreciate the phone call and you thank bet. you for listening. All right, there's the breaking news on the fairway ties. Just what we needed. <laughs> right. Uh it's good. We didn't wear black ties at my grocery store. Didn't you? It was whatever you wanted. And I learned how to tie a tie. 
and almost always wore a tie tie. But one day, uh-huh. all my ties were at the dry cleaner, getting cleaned. All three of them. They, they, you know what? They never come back the same. No, way they the no. dry cleaner. So I had one clip on. I wore it. It was uh, one of my buddy's moms. I was carrying out her groceries. My clip-on fell off as I was putting him in there, and she <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed. I was so embarrassed. I know how to tie a tie. Yeah. Uh, that day, it got it's been me. a long time. Um, I'm, I guess I probably, I don't know if I still, yeah, I should think I still could. Anyways. Tie a tie? Yeah, I think I still could. It, I, it'll come back. It's like riding a bike, right? Right. You I figure think, it I out. I would think so. Uh, so last night, um, not a lot on. You know what I ended up watching just because I couldn't, my, my chests were down three zip in the blink. By the way, did you bet the Leafs? I told you to bet Toronto. I didn't even do it. Uh, I knew the Jets coming off a long, long, long. Longest road trip of the year. They're going to come home. They're going to be flat, and that's what they were in the least one. Anyway, so I was totally bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. I flipped on the NFL Network uh, and I watched Kyle Trask throw footballs for about forty-five minutes. No way. I couldn't. There's nothing else on. Boy, he's got some. Well, as we know, you know Gators, Florida mm-hmm. talent. Surprising, Ken. Uh, but I watched Trask's pro day, which was I don't know, kind of boring. Yeah, but there's nothing on. But that's not the case anymore. No. I mean, it's baseball, man. All the way through. And today, I like this opening day. I like everybody so out give there. So me, give me an idea. Give me your day. Give All right. Give me your day as far as your baseball viewing. Because, and I'm assuming that, that, that the, um, what do they call the major league package on baseball? Extra innings. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing the extra innings package is free for the opening week, as it normally is. Yep, yep. So if you're not going to buy it, you'll be able to watch you know, the Dodgers and the Rockies or whatever you want to watch, right? Mm-hmm. Give me your day. So uh, normally I get out of here between 1230 and 1.30 for wrapping up things. I will make sure it's 1230 today. And I appreciate all the extra stuff you do, by the way. Oh, I skid out alone out of here at noon. <laughs> but I'll get home in time to see first pitch. Now I have Of your twins. Of the twins. Mm-hmm. I have meetings at 2 and 3.30 today. What so are you thinking? I know. Well, you got to get things done and... They're not real difficult ones. It's not like I'm out there schlepping a whole lot of things. Couldn't change them until tomorrow? Well, and one of them might be at a watering hole. So (laughs) there'll be the Twins game on, and I'll be able to see it there. But, uh, yeah, so I'll do that. Then get home after dinner. Probably things will be on in the background. But the afternoon is going to be, I just want to see the opening. I want to see the Twins and the Mm -hmm. Brewers, and I want to see the first pitch, and I want to see the first couple innings. It just get that normalcy back in a cold uh, April 1st day, get things going in that route, too. So now, do what's that. the new ballpark's name in Milwaukee? It's no longer Miller Park. It's, it's, it's a new, there's a American new... American Family Field. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's Miller Park for me. Right? It, I'm with you. It took a while to get away from County Stadium, too. And Yeah. Uh, now, I never made it to County Stadium. I, did, I have been to... <laughs> Speaking uh, of dumps. Ooh. Was it? Oh, man. Really bad? Yeah. Huh. Probably the worst ballpark I ever went to. Good topic. Worst yeah. ballpark I ever went to. So that's your number one. So I'm assuming it's very similar to the old, the very first Texas Ranger ballpark, who seemingly was built for football, mm-hmm. and they had the long bleachers down the left field. I was there. What year was I there? When did they, when did the uh, Tigers beat the Padres? Because I was there. I saw the Tigers. Sparky Anderson, eighty three or eighty four. 84, I want to say. That's when they were really good. Yeah, so, right. Um, and they ha- they opened up like that huge, long winning streak of memory serve. Yeah. So 30 and 5 to start the year, I think it was. Crazy. Yeah. I think that was the worst one I've ever been to. Worst ballpark you've ever been to. Yeah. I mean, the Metrodome. I'm I sure love the Metrodome. I, I, we both did. Yeah. Different feelings, but I've heard plenty of people were. You get the wrong seat, and you're basically you're pointing away from the from home plate. Yeah. And you're t- turning your body the whole game. 
there's that part because that was also built mm-hmm. for football. Mm-hmm. County Stadium was old and sticky and crappy and just awful, but I liked it. I yeah. like I like stadiums like that. One that I I never got to original Yankee Stadium. That I did. That's bad. It's it was spectacular. And Tiger Stadium. That's I'm, one I missed too. Those are two. Me too. And looking back, the the Philadelphias, you know, those old old. But vets. you know what, Trent? If and I, and I went to Riverfront, mm-hmm. and I was told if you go to Riverfront, you've been to Three Rivers and you've been to the Vet, yeah, because they're the same stadium. And Old Bush, I'm all, and Old Bush, those old sixties and seventies, they're all the same stadium. Um, Bush Stadium to me had the most legroom of any ballpark I've ever been in. That that's that's my one takeaway from the original Bush Stadium was just how much room there was between the row in front of you. It was spectacular. Um, now you go from that extreme to Fenway Park, where it was built, you know, in the, whenever it was built in the teens, hundred years ago, and you're crammed in. Yeah, I mean you're you're squeezed in there. But Bush Stadium, I remember just how much room there was. Between seats, what else? Mile High Stadium uh, for the Rockies when yeah. the Rockies were born was not good for baseball. I was there the very first game of the Rockies' existence. Did you Back- ever go to the Kingdom? Yes, I you got did. my baseball at the Kingdom. Oh yeah, uh, Ken Phelps. <laughs> Ken Phelps. Ken nice. Phelps. I was, big first baseman. He was a big first baseman, and he uh, he hit it right to me. And I and that's funny because honest to God. I watched it off of his bat, mm-hmm. and I knew it was coming right to me, and I didn't have to move, and I caught it, and it hurt like hell, and I dropped it right between my feet so I could shake my hand. Um, and, you know, not, not shake my own hand, but uh-huh. you know what I mean, the, the pain thing. Uh, but, yeah, I've been to the Kingdom. I saw football at the Kingdom, and saw a baseball game at the Kingdom or two. Uh, Keith wants to chime in. He's got a worse ballpark. Keith, how are you? What's your worst ballpark? Well, I have to defend uh, County Stadium. I'm not saying it's, it was the best, but when I judge uh, ballparks by, say, parking, uh, decent restrooms, yeah. food, which County Stadium was like number one in food with the Browns. I bet. Uh, I w- I'm not, it's much better now, but I would not say County is the worst. I would say Cleveland Municipal Stadium is the worst. Never been. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. tied, with, tied with the Metrodome. Um, in <laughs> fact, I think, and I'm a Twins fan too, Trent, I would say the most dramatic difference, uh, if you're a Twins fan, is you went from the worst maybe in Major League Baseball to one of the best mm-hmm. in Target Field. So it's yeah. a welcome addition. But I think you got to factor in parking with all this. So I, I, I really like County Stadium. Uh, it's much better now, but uh, I would not rank that as one of my worst, no. Keith, thanks for chiming in. Appreciate Thank hearing you. from you. Yeah, a little baseball conversation here this morning. Yeah, I caught a, got a ball from Jeremy Burnett's uh, from mm-hmm. at County Stadium, so that that also put a mm-hmm. soft spot in my heart. And I was in high school at the time too, so mom was driving. I, I wasn't parking right. myself, so that's something to do. And you said getting a ball in a game. I got a ground rule double from Marty Cordova. Did you in his rookie year? I no, his second year, one of the few, because after his rookie year, it kind of went down for <laughs> Marty Cordova. Flash, yeah, I don't say flash in a pan. And then of course, uh, state baseball tournament last year, I got a foul ball that right in your booth. <laughs> Knocked me on my ass. Right. Uh, weirdest food I had was uh, when I went to Angel Stadium. Oh, 1990, 1991. They had sushi. Tasty? I remember trying it. I do, I do not remember getting sick. Uh, I don't think I'd ever had sushi in my life until I got there. Um, ballpark sushi, kind of like gas station sushi. Yeah, yeah. Right? But I tried it, uh, and I, I don't recall it being awful. I don't. Um, my team's the Jays. I've never been to the Rogers Center. Never been to Sky Dome. Is it on your list? Like, do you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I want to see a game there. 
When's um, the last time? Have you been to Toronto yet? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I've been to Toronto. Because, I mean, it's not like from Winnipeg to Toronto, you just hop in the car and no, go. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to get there. You know the stadium I've never been to? And I, I, I'm disappointed in myself that I haven't been. Dodger Stadium. I never have As either. many ballparks yeah. as I've seen, and there's a bunch of them now that have been replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to Dodger Stadium. How many ballparks are you going to see this summer? Oh, Getting God. close to shot number two. Um, I don't know. Two? Probably. Two? We're hoping Big Ten Media Days, they'll be... At least I don't one know the, if they're going to have Big Ten yeah, Media I Days. I, I think that's I a that stretch. Feeling. I have that feeling. I think too. they're going to be virtual yep. one more year. Sadly, ten twenty-five. We got to get our break. Nate Bolton joins us next. We're a few minutes late. Appreciate the baseball conversation here this morning. It is, after all, opening day. Trent and I are with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six. Just past 10 Thursday on a uh, 10 30 on a Thursday. So we take you until news. More breaking news. Chris Beard is the new Texas Longhorns head coach. Leaves Texas Tech. Tech stays in the conference. We had that. Uh, with the and the um, date. Absolutely. With the uh, buyout dropping from four million, which it was yesterday, to two million, which it is today. Makes it a lot easier to write that check for two million for Texas. They will do so. So Texas Tech is open. Uh, North Carolina is open as Roy Williams has left. And uh, more is bre- retiring. More breaking news in our conversation earlier. Fairway has now gone away from ties. Now polos are allowed at Fairway. Stores. About that, everybody's catching. No, I'm not killing Fairways. I said I love them. Yeah, it yeah. is phenomenal. Uh, but I thought the clip on ties a little much. What, as we what the first the half hour of the show we've had today, huh? Indeed, it's opening day, baby. It's a celebratory day. Mm-hmm. Let's get Nate Bolton in here, get his take on what we heard uh, with the Supreme Court meeting with their NCAA attorneys yesterday. But before we do that, let's catch up with what's going on in Iowa. Nate Bolton, Senator Bolton, of course, Hedberg and Bolton is uh, where he applies his trade normally. Uh, Nate, Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Uh, where do we stand, name, image, and likeness? We saw Jordan Bohannon uh, on uh, uh, come out on Twitter a couple of days ago. In fact, he tagged you in the tweet. If name, image, and likeness uh, passes in Iowa, he may come back for another year. But it sounds as though, is the bill dead for another year in our fine state, Nate? It does appear so. And, and first, happy opening day to everybody. Yes, sir. Uh, it's a great American tradition to, to kick off baseball. But, um, but yeah, it, it does appear to have uh, the... The session is going to slip through without that bill advancing. Uh, Technically, uh, Friday is the deadline for it to both be passed by the Senate and come out of a House committee to stay alive this year. Uh, There's no uh, debate scheduled for for bills on the floor of the Senate uh, for today, tomorrow, or Friday. So that's just not going to happen. So uh, barring some very uh, exceptional uh, things happening that the bill is probably done for this year and and nate as we when you guys first introduced it or reintroduced it again i got the sense of of optimism in your voice so when did it start maybe to go in the other direction when did you think that um you know what maybe this isn't going to happen again this year yeah we we had reason to be more optimistic than we were last year and the reality is it's an issue that does not neatly fall on party lines, so it's not something that has kind of inherent support um, in, in one direction. 
And it just requires a lot of education to get uh, legislators on board with the concept. Because the first reaction most people have to this topic is this is going to be direct compensation, universities paying salaries to athletes. Right. That's not and you have to kind of get through those, those layers of opposition and, and understanding of what the bill actually accomplishes and how big of an issue this has been in recent years. And then if people understand some of the more abusive practices we've seen in, in you know the past couple of decades, it starts to become something that it, it breaks down those barriers from conservative and uh, progressive legislators who, who see opposition to it for different reasons and find they have support on, uh, uh, of the bill for very different reasons. But we end up to a place where uh, you know, Senator Zahn and I uh, generally see political topics from very different perspectives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this, this is one that we we both can agree on and maybe for, for different motivations, but we see it, there's a real problem here that has to be solved. So just trying to get more and more legislators to, to see through that and get to a point where we do our job as state senators and state representatives and protect the student athletes, those college athletes here in our state. So in our world, this is the biggest thing that's happening on your guys' floor there at the state legislature. Right. But Well, maybe a gambling bill. Well, that's pretty big in our world, too. <laughs> but there's a lot else going on. You have bipartisan support. So how come it doesn't make it to the floor? How, how come it doesn't take that next step? Fill us in, and Ken and I, we're not exactly a big political junkies here. Sure. Um, the two big things that work against it that we, we have to fight through. Number one most people instinctively agree that this should have a national solution. And that's not wrong. It's not the ideal situation for 50 individual states to pass name, image, likeness statutes and have potentially 50 different standards uh, across the nation. But the reality is Congress hasn't dealt with this. The NCAA has delayed this as much as possible So we're put in a position where the only way we're going to get action on this is if the states start stepping up and really forcing the hand of the NCAA or Congress to prioritize and address the issue. So that's probably the biggest thing is just this idea that how how can we in Iowa set our own standard when the whole nation is in the college sports model? Interesting there. You know, there is some breaking news uh, on this from that meeting that was supposed to happen this morning with with Jordan Bohannon. Uh, Mark Emmert uh, apparently refused to include uh, any female players uh, in that meeting. And Caitlin Clark's been quoted in the USA Today, Steve Berkowitz. Uh, Caitlin Clark says it was disappointing that Emmert was not willing to involve women uh, in the conversation. Uh, so so let's go to the to the federal level of this, Nate. And, and you know, I'll just use Caitlin Clark for an example before we get to the federal mm-hmm. level. You know, what, what, what is wrong with Caitlin Clark in the summertime coming home? They're building a huge brand new sports complex, I believe in West Des Moines. I think it's the Mid America Rec Center. Or even if it's not open mm-hmm. at Dowling, Caitlin Clark, a, a basketball school in the summer for girls. I mean, can you imagine how many girls in West Des Moines who now have Caitlin Clark as their idol would show up to learn the game of basketball? What's wrong with her making money from holding a camp for crying out loud? Exactly. And it should, it, it should be part of the educational process, right? I, in every other field, if a college or university sees an opportunity for a student to start to make that transition from student to career and find internships or other opportunities that they can profit from and, and 
ensure a, a smooth transition in their, their career um, opportunities. We encourage it. We, we push these things. You know, that, that's what career development is all about. This is missing in, in the college sports model right now. And Clayton Clark's a great example because the, the nation was absolutely floored by yeah. her ability to succeed and, and, and perform. And if she came back to Iowa and exactly had a basketball camp, I mean, girls would be lining up yes. and look for the opportunity. And what, what a great opportunity it is to grow college sports Precisely. and grow women's sports in the state of Iowa and not freeze Caitlin Clark out of what is going to be her easily her most marketable years as, as she be, becomes a nationwide celebrity for her performance in college athletics. And, and I want to thank Caitlin Clark. I want to thank so many students who we've talked with about these issues who have had the courage to talk about them publicly and advocate for this. Uh, it, it really has made a difference this year in, in the prospects of this legislation as we go into next year and try to build from here. Senator Dane Bolden joining us here, Miller and Condon on KXNO. So let's jump to uh, what we saw on the national level with the Supreme Court. Open floor. Uh, fill us in. What was important? What was your takeaway from yesterday with the NCAA being held to the fire, if you will, from the Supreme Court? So um, the issue with the um, the case yesterday that was argued in front of the United States Supreme Court was not name, image, likeness. It's a very limited expansion of benefits that can be offered to players while they're students and uh, focused very limitedly on, on, on Division I football, men's and women's basketball players, and the academic-related things that they can be um, compensated as they are going through the program. And very simply, there are rewards that are allowed up to um, almost $6,000 for athletic achievement and performance. And the, the, the issue here is, can you do that for academic achievement and performance, which seems to be pretty logical since the NCAA keeps touting that these are students first, athletes second, to promote academic success should be allowed. And we're talking about things like paid uh, internship programs. Uh, we're talking about you know, computers and other academic equipment that, that can be purchased with, with these resources and making it a just like it is for athletic outstanding achievement, things that ha- can be structured by the NCAA or the individual conferences on how the benefits are earned. So it's a very limited scope issue, but clearly as the arguments progressed, it was really about can the NCAA itself survive with a purely amateur model with all the money that exists in the system. That's really what we ended up getting to with the, with the, uh, the arguments. Uh, that's how I saw it as well, Nate. And I just, I didn't follow it live or I, I just saw what, uh, some of the people who were following it, uh, would tweet out. So the last thing for you here, um, I, I, it seemed like the NCAA was, um, was backed into a corner and that the Supreme yeah. Court justices were landing blow after blow. Having said that, my one, my other takeaway on this was, boy, I'm not so sure that the uh, that the Supreme Court rather wants to get involved in making this decision on amateurism. I thought that they asked the great questions, but at the end of the day, Nate, I'm not so sure that they want to be involved. Did you see it that way at all? You you saw very early on the questions 
were very pointed, right? I mean, they went after the NCAA aggressively, pointing out, you keep talking about tradition, and you keep using this rhetoric about how it's always been. That's never an acceptable argument in a court to say we've always done things this way. You have to prove that what you're doing is legal. And the more the NCAA pointed to the way things have always been, the more the justices seem to get upset by saying things have changed in the last 100 years, in the last 40 years. This is a different system than it was when we adopted those prior decisions. Right now, we have so much money in this system that you keep saying is an amateur system, but the reality is a lot of people are making a lot of money within your system, and that includes you know, coaches and assistant coaches and, and trainers and, and everybody else that's around these athletes. And you keep saying that it's an essential element of your competitive balance to have amateur athletes, but as we, we just barely scratch the surface here, these are very different from every other student on campus with the amount of obligations they have dedicated to these sports and the amount of money around what they are doing. And when it comes to this issue of antitrust or you artificially have controlled the value of the labor market that you're using to profit, that's a big problem, whether you're a, a, a college or an oil company or any other part of the economy, artificially controlling the value of labor is something that is illegal. So the the Supreme Court is very sensitive to blowing up the NCAA system and and blowing up amateur sports with, with what it could decide. But it also is very sensitive to the, the two things that kept coming up in that argument. Is this a real antitrust violation? And are these individual athletes being exploited by a system that profits in so many ways from the work that they do? Senator Nate Bolton, uh, again, he is uh, Hedberg and Bolton, a uh, labor attorney uh, group over there, Hedberg and Bolton. I, I hope you and Brad Zahn don't uh, lose interest, don't get frustrated uh, year after year, uh, coming back now two years in a row, only to see this thing die. I hope you keep after it, Nate Bolton. We appreciate you coming on. We will. Uh, good stuff. Good to hear. Uh, and we'll talk in the, there's always going to be uh, issues, uh, labor issues or legal issues uh, that collide with the sports world. And when we do, uh, when they do, we will show up at uh, on your caller ID. Thank you, Nate Bolton. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thank you. Good to talk Bye. to you, Senator Nate Bolton. Uh, we will switch gears entirely to the NFL draft. <laughs> it can be a difficult segue from that. Um, again, Caitlin Clark or the basketball. Mm-hmm. Trent, she would make a boatload of money. Wrestling camp for Spencer Lee. Bang. Same thing. Yeah. Right? Good, that's a perfect example. Uh, we'll come back. Quarterback uh, camp, Brock Purdy. And why can't they? They they do they are involved in camps at least in the right, basketball. But they, level. They're not theirs, right? Yeah. And how much more financial incentive there could be oh. on that? And then going out to Bill's Toyota and here, mm-hmm. yeah, Caitlin, rent, rent, can, can rent you wear value. a Tiger Hawk on your chest? No. Can you wear the I State? No. But you know what? You can wear basketball shorts, and they'll know who you are. Uh, uh, Ten forty-five NFL conversation. Matt Menasarian next. Miller and Condon fourteen sixty KX and one. to 11 on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Thank you to Senator Nate Bolton. 
Uh, we segue to NFL draft conversation. Our friend Matt Menasarian, the uh, Sports Info Solution Football Rookie Handbook. I have it in front of me. Trent finally gave it up after <laughs> absconding with it for about a month or so. Uh-huh. 696 beautiful pages, Matt Menasarian. Congratulations on it. Uh, we, I'm just, we're awed by it each and every year how much work goes into it. And grateful that we have one. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. I'm happy to be here with you. Uh, we're glad that you are here. You know, before we get into some of the locals, as we ran out of time last week with you, other than the Kanae Wongo who uh, broke the stopwatch at four two something in the in the forty that he ran. Um, you you scouted for the uh, Browns. You scouted for the Saints. My question is, with all the pro days going on, how valuable are they? Or do you, when you go into these things to a pro day, do you have a a preconceived idea as what you believe you're going to see? Uh, how, how do you approach pro days, or how did you? Yeah, so as a scout, when you're going in for a pro day, this is kind of your last check, right? So I've been covering my entire region for not just that year, but really if the guys have been in school three, four, five years, I know their entire careers. I've seen them come up. So this is the last chance. Now, what's different about the pro day from all the other visits is you can actually talk to the kids. Right, Most of the time you're going in there during the season, you're not actually talking to the athletes at that time. You're talking to the coaches, academic advisors, you name it. You're doing your detective work trying to get to the, the bottom of their character. Um, but this is the first time where you can actually interact with them, um, you know, along with the senior bowl and in a normal year, the combine. Now, so in terms of what I would look for in a pro day, it was always for me the opportunity to actually interact with the players one-on-one, especially if they weren't invited to the combine or something like that. In terms of what you look at on the field, hopefully you know who these guys are as athletes, right? You've seen them. You've been seeing them in practice for years. You understand, hopefully, what their athleticism is. Now, somebody runs a 4-2 like you're talking about, yeah, that makes me take a second look. I'm going back to my notes. I'm going back to the film, and I'm following up on that. But most of what I'm looking for when I go into the pro day is actually not having to do with, with that sort of athletic stuff at all. Now, this year, I think it's even, it's even crazier because normally – I already saw these guys at the combine and at the pro day, I'm just kind of filling in the guys that aren't in the top 250, top 300 prospects of the year. So the other guys that, that are kind of more of the depth of the players that make up uh, the draft class. Now, all of a sudden this year with no combine, each pro day is really replacing the combine, right? Just like we turn on the NFL network and we see that the people were used to watching the path to the draft at the combine or at the pro days. It's a similar thing for a lot of these, especially not the scouts, but the coaches and uh, the upper-level management where they've been spending time with the pro team throughout the season, now turning their attention to these guys, uh, not having the opportunity to see them all there. I think there's going to be more learning going on than you would typically have at a pro day compared to a normal year just because of that circumstance of no combine. You uh, mentioned last week Kenny Nwangu jumping onto draft boards and the scouts that liked him before. They're kind of muttering under their breath because they had this under-the-radar prospect, and you run that kind of number, it's going to change. What else from Iowa State? They returned so much on the football field this year. Dylan Sainer getting a little bit of buzz, the tight end. Maybe a Lawrence White. What else as you look at the Cyclone prospects pops out to you? Yeah, when you look at Sainer, you know, there's nothing really exciting about him. He's not somebody that, that's going to wow you as a receiver in any sort of a, of a way. But he's got that run-blocking ability. Yeah. When you have somebody with that sort of a frame – 
um, and, and the ability to, to fit in there and be able to block. You see players in the NFL that don't catch any passes. They're essentially like six offensive linemen. I'm not saying that's what he has to be. I think if he's going to make it in the NFL, he's going to have to develop some sort of a receiving component in the game. But at least when you look for a guy with the, the requisite size, uh, you can make an argument out there. Uh, as you know, he didn't, he didn't jump off the screen at all in terms of the way that he performed as a prospect. Uh, the play speed is kind of mediocre. But uh, the blocking ability will have to be his calling card early. And then from there, you know, at tight end coaches, offensive coordinators in the NFL, that's a valuable trait. If he can round out the game and become a little bit better in the passing game, then, then I think there could be something there. So he's a borderline guy in terms of, in terms of being a, a draftable prospect. I, I would say the same thing for Lawrence White, who you, who you also mentioned there. Um, he's a safety. Safety tends to be a position that's a little bit harder to, to get a, a beat on. People tend to see safeties in different ways. We've got a little bit of a higher grade on him. We've got him at a 6.2, um, and that's because of his versatility. So that grade level really tells us that this guy is going to be a special teams performer for whoever gets him. I think initially when he plays on the NFL level, that's going to be the spot. Like in terms of making a roster, he's going to have to be performing there. But um, I like the makeup of a player that at least has the ability to line up over the slot. We saw him do that a ton. 43% of the time last year, he's lined up over the slot. So um, the ability to play kind of within that Iowa State defense, which in a lot of ways is what's becoming a popular defensive style that we're seeing, just like we saw offenses creep from college to the pro game, the Iowa State style of defense is is kind of um, is getting there to the NFL. And so a player like White with the scheme versatility, I think that's the attractive thing about him. I don't think he's really an ideal uh, strong safety. I don't think he's a, a transcendent type of player. But you look about at, at what he can bring, and he can bring a lot of different things to you. He can do it a little bit as a pass rusher. Uh, he can line up over the slot. Um, he makes his tackles close to the line of scrimmage relative to his peers, right? The adjusted tackle depth plus of 116, indicating he's 16% above average in terms of where he makes his plays on the ball. So guys you don't get excited about, like I said, borderline draftable. Uh, we like White a little bit better. I, I, I like him especially for his special team fit, which is something you're always looking for on day three of the draft. But, you know, you could see a path where both of these guys carve out careers for themselves. Yeah, I thought Saner, you know, at six foot seven, two seventy, might be better suited to, you know, moving to the offensive line with that athleticism, maybe becoming a right tackle. But he wants uh, he's a tight end, uh, and he'll go forward with that. So let's go to the Hawkeyes. They're going to have an, a number of guys. Obviously, Davion Nixon's going to come off the board at some point. And likewise with Alaric Jackson, both of the receivers, Smith, and then of course Smith Marset. But Chauncey Goldson's a guy that a lot of scouts came away from Iowa Pro Day, uh, feeling that maybe they had to take an a closer look at him. The Hawkeyes that will be draft eligible, I think you've included, what, seven of them in the publication. Your thoughts on the Hawks? Yeah, uh, we can start off with, with, with Golston. I think he's an interesting player. We see him as kind of a more ideal fit to be a, kind of a run stopper than a high-end pass rusher. Um, you look at his uh, last couple of seasons, 35 pressures in 2019, 28 in 2020. So he's had certainly some productivity when you look at there. But in terms of translating to those NFL high-end edge rusher traits, you just don't see the bend with him on the film where, or the explosion where I'm ready to bet on him to, to really make that step. Now, where I do think he fits is he's a nice player on the edge on first and second down. And with his size, with his length, he's got that versatility to bump inside. So, the, again, the path for him, if he's going to really make that impact, would be 
as a third down bump inside, rush from a, a, a three-technique type area where you're lined up over a guard. We can bring in another one of those defensive pass rusher specialists in, and that, that's his path to making an impact. I think first and second down on the outside and then bumping inside on third down. Uh, but it's all going to come down to, you know, you, you mentioned the workouts and, and scouts turning their head. It's nice when you see some explosive workout numbers, but pro day numbers are always a little bit uh, suspect, I think, when you compare them to, to the actual uh, what's going on uh, on the field. And so what, what he's going to need to do is, is show that that explosiveness and that athleticism can translate uh, because right now I, I just see a guy that's a bit too stiff to be a difference-making edge rusher on the NFL level. Let's go to the uh, wide receivers. Amir Smith-Marset getting some buzz with his speed and returnability, and Brandon Smith, who certainly looks yeah. apart. And we only have like a minute left, Matt. Yeah, uh, I, the guy that I prefer there is Amir Smith-Marset. Listen, we've seen he struggles at the catch point. 17 drops in 207 targets over his four years. I don't need to tell you that. I'm sure you've been more frustrated <laughs> than I was watching the film. But this guy can run. And when you can run, you can separate, uh, you can get open, uh, that's going to give you a chance. So uh, we look at him, a later-round flyer-type player. His total points rating at the 87 range, you know, that's, that's good, not great. Um, not dominating college football by any means, but the speed is what gives him a chance. Uh, with Brandon Smith, it's just, it's just hard to imagine on the NFL level. Yeah, looks the part, but uh, can he run? Can he get open? Uh, those are the sort of questions, and uh, at the end of the day, he, he's not somebody that I would bet on in terms of uh, being able to make it into into my top four wide receivers. He was really poor uh, in some of our statistics when you looked at his, his total points rating. Uh, t- ten seconds left before the music plays. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are moving up to take who at number three. Wilson uh, and Lawrence are off the board. Who would you take at three as, as a quarterback, as seemingly the Niners will? Is it Mac Jones? Well, despite... Despite all the noise that it's Mac Jones, and I believe those reports, for me it would be Justin Fields. Hands down, Justin Fields. Perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan's office. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Matt, we're out of time. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. We appreciate you doing this for us as we get closer to the draft. Sports Info Solution Football Rookie Handbook. Uh, you can find it online, Sports Info Solutions. Um, it's It's a great read. It's a long read, and if you're a junkie, you will love it. Matt, thank you. Appreciate Thank you coming you. on. We'll talk soon. Yep, absolutely. Matt Manasarian. Cappy kicks off hour number two. Miller and Condon, 1460, 106.3 FM.